What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode. Hope you all had a fantastic Father's Day weekend. And in tribute to fathers and fatherhood, we are going to dedicate this episode. So why don't we go ahead and get started right now? Hey, guys, and welcome to another exciting episode of Your Life, God's Word. Thanks for joining this time of relevant conversation and scriptural application where we apply God's Word to the most important areas of life, God, family, and community. We pray this broadcast inspires, encourages, challenges, and blesses you in every way. So without further ado, let's dive right in to this week's episode. Well, I want to start off by thanking my father, who is a a man of God and one of these, I mean, he, just an incredible dad. We, We were raised in a fantastic home with love, and we were taught a lot of great principles. Um, we were able to learn a lot from some of his mistakes and some of his um, accomplishments and able to do, I think, what the Bible talks about. And he was able to launch his children uh, from a better starting place than he had. And um, I really honor him for that. It wasn't a perfect dad. No dad is. And um, so <laughs> if you're looking for perfection, fathers, you're never going to you're never going to actually hit it, but you can certainly strive for it. And if you fall, you know, a little short of perfection, well, you'll probably be a pretty good father. Um, so thank you, Dad, for being awesome. Love you, and uh, really appreciate again everything you 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 did for us as children. And uh, he's a great grandparent as well, although. He's like Mr. Softy now. I, I I just, like, I remember getting spankings and stuff when I was a kid, you know? I mean, not that I didn't deserve them. I, you know, I look back and I'm like, wow, I'm surprised I didn't get more. <laughs> but <laughs> um, but now it's like, he's like turned into Mr. Softy with those grandkids. Uh, maybe it's because he doesn't have to, you know, he's not with them like 24-7. Or maybe it's just that whole, that old grandparent thing where, I think I've seen a bumper sticker before where it was like, wow, if I knew grandkids were this much fun, I would have had them first. But anyway, um, I want to I want to draw uh, the sort of my my talking point my my whole structure right now um, off of there was a show um, that I used to that I used to watch called Heroes. It was called Heroes, and um, I now that I'm thinking about it in my mind, I think the first I think the first season, first couple of episodes actually had some some risque stuff in and we had to like not watch the first couple episodes like fast forward through whatever but um but anyway so so if you're you know gonna go watch it just keep that in mind um i'm not endorsing the show by any means i'm just saying this is a show that i did watch and um one of the things from this show is a show of these like people with superpowers and there's villains and and heroes and there was some time travel and stuff going on in it. But one of the one of the things, one of the themes from the first season was save the cheerleader, save the world. And at the end of the day, there was a uh, this cheerleader that had uh, powers of like regeneration, and she you know she couldn't like really get her or die or whatever. And there was a time travel guy and different things. And, and basically, they had to save her because they needed her blood for some different stuff or whatever for you know for the future of of mankind. Um, anyway. The uh, so I want to talk about save the fathers, save the world, because I really I believe that if we could save fatherhood, if we could make fatherhood, uh, kind of what it's supposed to be, if if we could really raise up good strong men of God to be good strong fathers for the next generation, and keep that cycle going. I mean, even if we're like only. 50%, 75% successful. I really think we will live in such a better world, such a better world. Um I would I think, I don't think, I know um according to his uh 2008 Father's Day speech, Barack Obama actually agrees with me. Now, you know, nobody knows who I am, but I throw his name out there and all of a sudden it's like, "Oh, we're going to perk up here." So, he 
I have the text of his speech, and um, it is a great speech. It really is. And I've got some pull quotes from that that I'm going to share um, here right now. So he, he said during this speech, and I've got the, the full link if anybody wants to contact us, podcast at breadbreakers.com, podcast at breadbreakers.com. I could certainly get you the link for, you could look at the entire speech. And um, if you have any questions, comments, things like that, that is the email to use, podcast at breadbreakers.com. We'd love to uh, get those comments, questions, and stuff um, addressed on the show to, uh, you know, have a little bit more dialogue and conversation. Anyway, uh, he says uh, toward the beginning, of all the rocks upon which we build our lives, we are reminded today that family is the most important. Now, I just presume he's talking in the natural here. Uh, obviously, uh, the the rock we should be building upon is Jesus Christ, and He is the most important. However, I, I don't. I think he's meaning again. I think he's meaning in the context of of life in in, in this temporal world. And I would completely. Um, I would completely agree with this assessment. The family is the bedrock of society, right? Now we can just do a quick little, uh, quick little demonstration, even right here, just verbally. Just imagine, right? Imagine a society, millions of people, billions of people, right? You've got, uh, say, a nation. Take the United States. We are a nation, right? Well, what's that nation built off of? Well, we have states, right? Uh, but then what's the state built off of? Well, you know, townships, cities, counties, but what are they built off of? Where, well, smaller communities, you know, cities and, 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 and you know, unincorporated entities. And, and what are they built off of? Well, like, like neighborhoods. And, th- and what are they built off of? Well, they're built off of individual families, right? So we can boil it all the way down to individuals, but the first building block of a society outside of, you know, obviously the individual, the first collective is the family. It is the bedrock of society. And if families crumble, society will crumble. Now, you know, families starting to erode and crumble, I mean, it might take a couple of generations for a strong, vibrant society to completely unravel and come apart. But make no mistake about it, it will happen. It will happen. Um, And so I fully agree. He says, of all the rocks upon which we build our lives, we are reminded today that family is the most important. He goes on to say, if we are honest with ourselves, we'll admit that what too many fathers um, are doing is missing. Missing from too many lives and too many homes. They have abandoned their responsibilities, acting like boys instead of men. And the foundations of our families are weaker because of it. Now, look what he said. He said the foundation, right, the rocks on which we build our lives, right, our society, our nation, all this, it's the family. And missing fathers erodes and destroys and weakens the foundation of the family. Okay? So take the fathers, start to erode them, and society will erode. He goes on. We know that more than half of all black children live in single-parent households. A number that has doubled, doubled since we were children. We know the statistics that children who grow up without a father are five times more likely to live in poverty and commit crime, nine times more likely to drop out of schools, and 20 times more likely to end up in prison. They are more likely to have behavioral problems or run away from home or become teenage parents themselves. And the foundations of our community are weaker because of it. So let me stop there. The foundations, again, he goes back to this, foundations of the community. Weaker because of it. What's the it? 
all of these problems that happen. Why do the problems happen? Because of the absence of fathers. So what is he saying yet again? The foundations of community revolve around the strength of the fathers. Save the fathers, save the world. Save the fathers, save the world. Uh, we... We need to understand some things here. I've looked at some of these statistics myself as far as, you know, kind of going in and, and, and reading and studying. And there, a lot of this stuff you can find out there. Um, but I know, you know, the numbers do move a little bit. This is 2008. This is now it's 2020. So 12 years. I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's gotten worse since then. But the statistics you can find, you can look and see. Right, that they've done these studies where, um, yes, yes, higher crime, higher dropout rates, more behavioral and psychological problems, teenage runaway, teenage pregnancy, all of this stuff in homes where a father is absent. Now, during this speech, he actually talks a little bit about himself, and you know there was some correspondence and everything with his dad, but 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 see, an absentee father whether he lives under the roof or actually completely dips out of, you know, the picture, there's not a whole lot of difference, though, right? The fact that there's somebody in the house with some testosterone flowing through their, their body does not make a whole lot of difference. What makes the difference, and he goes on, and we'll, we'll actually read some of the stuff he's saying, but it, what makes the difference is people that are active, active in the home, active in their kids' lives, a father that is present Right, that there, and not just present, not just shown. Oh, look, he's there in the picture. But there is presence, participation within the home. So he goes on to say this: Yes, we need more cops on the street. Yes, we need fewer guns in the hands of people who shouldn't have them. Yes, we need more money for our schools and more outstanding teachers in the classroom, and more after-school programs for our children. Yes, we need more jobs and more job training and more opportunity in our community. So he's, he's saying, look, we can definitely do better as a community, as a society, as a nation with different things. Then he says this, but we also need families to raise our children. I'm going to stop there. That is a powerful statement. This is a man uh, that... Again, he part of the Democratic Party, the party of big government. Now, this is not a knock on the Democratic Party. That they 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 run on this. This is their thing. That you know, they would say absolutely hallelujah, you know, amen to that. Um, and they believe in all these programs. And what he is saying is programs are nice, but programs should not be raising our kids. Programs cannot replace the need for a father. You cannot replace a father with after-school programs. Better to have the program than, you know, to have no father and no program. But he's saying, you know, he's saying, yes, we need more cops on the street. We apps, that's great. Have more cops on the street. But something that does better than a cop on the street that maybe gets to, you know, patrolling 20 to 30% of, of a, you know, any given set of neighborhoods within a city, right, at a time or whatever, or within a time frame, right? If you have fathers policing their home on a regular basis, guess what? You don't need as many cops, <laughs> right? Because you've got dads who are, you know, who are, I'll say, whipping those kids into shape. Now, you know, again, right, uh, not, not <laughs> fathers beating on their kids, I'm not uh, advocating child abuse by any chance or by any uh, stretch of the imagination, but uh, I am saying that those dads play a pivotal role in society in helping kids not be criminals, which the the statistics show that. And of course, you know Barack Obama is just leaning on what's readily available data. It's right there. It's very apparent to everyone. So again. He's saying, no, we don't need programs raising our kids. We need families, i.e. mom and dad raising our kids. Um, he goes on, but, okay, so, but we also need families to raise our children. We need fathers to realize the responsibility does not end at conception. 
We need them to realize that what makes you a man is not the ability to have a child. It's the courage to raise one. See, what makes you, again, this is me now, what makes you a real man is not the ability to have kids, right? I mean, um, you know, badgers can have offspring, right? Uh, zebra can procreate, right? I mean, animals can all procreate. It, it, if the only reason you can't is if you're, you know, again, if you're a man, you're, you know, if, if somehow there's, you know, some defect or something. That doesn't, I mean, what makes you a real man, a real father, worthy of some kind of honor is that you, like he said, that you have the courage to raise your children, to be there, presence, participation. And we just have, we have too many guys wanting to you know, jump in and out of bed with people. And, um, you know, which, which of course, uh, increases the, the risk in society of infanticide, which, you know, some people call pro-choice or abortion, but what you're aborting is a human life, so it's, it's killing a baby. <laughs> a baby that happens to be located inside someone else, but still a baby nonetheless. Um, but if you don't have as much jumping in and out of bed with people and just this free love society, if you have men saying, no, I'm going to commit to a woman, marry her, then have children. You remember that, remember that rhyme? I remember when we were kids, you know, you know, five, six, seven, eight years old or whatever, it was like, ooh, marrying somebody. So it was, it was really like a, a jab at, at, at a couple of people, you know, let's say there was, it's recess time and there's a, you know, a young man over there that we want to be playing kickball or tetherball or something, and he's over there talking to some some girl, and you were like, oh, oh, Joey must like Melissa. And you were like, Joey and Melissa sitting in a tree. K-I-S-S-I-N-G. First comes love, second comes marriage, then comes the baby in the baby carriage, right? And then, you know, Joey was like, no, what do you mean, man? Let's go, let's go bro. I'm ready for another round of tetherball or basketball or whatever. Now, I might be showing my age, but yeah. But that that process, first comes love, then comes marriage, then comes the baby in the baby carriage. You can go and there are actually statistical studies that have been done literally proving that that order is the best way for society for things to happen. Not first comes the baby in the baby carriage, then comes marriage, and then maybe comes love. Not, no, no. It, it happens in a certain way because the commitment is there. You have committed to this woman. You have committed to having children with her and being a partner with her in raising these babies. Um, that's how it's supposed to go. So Barack Obama goes on and, and he talks about single moms and he says... Uh, many of these women are doing a heroic job, but they need support. Now, listen to this. This is strong. I, I am. I'm going to say that when he was saying this, he probably rubbed a bunch of people within his own party the wrong way. Because listen to what he says. He says so many of these women are doing a heroic job, but they need support. They need another parent. Well, who's the other parent, <laughs> right? Who's the other parent? A father. Their children need another parent. That's what keeps their foundation strong. It's what keeps the foundation of our country strong. Once again, I'm going to point out, this is me talking. Once again, I'm going to point out, look what he keeps going back to. The foundations of our communities, the foundations um, uh, of our families, the foundation of our country is what? A two-parent household with those strong, active fathers involved. This is a powerful speech. This is a powerful message. Um, uh, this, why, this, what happened? <laughs> what happened? What, what has happened? Uh, nobody was paying attention, okay? Now, I'm just going to go out on a limb and, you know, give him the benefit of the doubt that he believes this, but, man, we have fallen so short of this. Look what he goes on to say. 
It's a wonderful thing if you are married and living in a home with your children, but don't just sit in the house and watch Sports Center all weekend long. That's why so many children are growing up in front of the television. Oh, um, this is me again. He is literally taking a jab at television. He's saying, this is no good. This is horrible, which statistics show. But we don't need kids growing up in front of the TV, even if dad is there. Dad in the other room while kids are watching TV, no good. Destroys the foundations of our society, of our homes, of our nation. He goes on to say, as fathers and parents, we've got to spend more time with them and help them with their homework and replace the video games or the remote control with a book once in a while. That's how we build that foundation. Barack Obama, amen. Amen, bro. This is this is good stuff. This is good stuff. Uh, finally, um, last poll quote I want to I want to do here. It's up to us as fathers and parents to instill this ethic of excellence in our children. It's up to us to say to our daughters, "Don't ever let images on TV tell you what you are worth," because I expect you to dream without limit and reach for those goals. It's up to us to tell our sons, those songs on the radio may glorify violence, but in my house, we give glory to achievement, self-respect, and hard work. It's up to us to set these high expectations, and that means meeting those expectations ourselves. That means setting examples of excellence in our own lives. Well, I'm just going to, right there, I'm going to give a standing O to Barack Obama for this incredible message. Now, again, this flies completely in the face of much of society today. N not just today, but also back then. And again, I, I find it I find it very disheartening that many people in in power, in politics, in business, all across the nation, are not simply standing up and saying this very thing on a regular basis. Instead, we get things like some of these quotes I'm going to give you right now. Uh, how about this one from Taisha Baker? Every white woman raises a detriment to society when they raise a son, someone with the highest propensity to be a terrorist, rapist, racist, killer, and domestic violence all-star. Historically, every son you had should be sacrificed to the wolves. Really? That's how you feel about a son? That's how you feel about a male child? Wow, Taisha, I hope <laughs> there's not a whole lot of men hanging around in your circle. Um, how about this quote? Um, a contributor to Teen Vogue. This is what your kids are, are reading um, when they're reading Teen Vogue. Emily Linden said this. Here's an unpopular opinion. I'm actually not at all concerned about innocent men losing their jobs over false sexual assault or harassment allegations. Did you hear what she said? Now, personally, my kids won't ever be reading Teen Vogue, but if they were, I'd burn every one of them right now. Um, why is this even in Teen Vogue, right? Well, oh, it's not. It's something she just tweeted. This is what she believes. So you know this vitriol is coming out in her writing. Um, what? She is not even concerned about people losing their jobs over a false allegation. So you're innocent, somebody accuses you, and you lose your job, and Emily Linden thinks that's okay. What in the world is going on in our society? Uh, sorry if some innocent men's reputation have to take a hit in the process of undoing the patriarchy, this is a price I am absolutely willing to pay. Whoa. Whoa. That is some hate-filled, man-hating, sexist vitriol right there. Okay? 
Or how about this quote from Linda Gordon? The nuclear family must be destroyed. Whatever its ultimate meaning, the breakup of families now is an objectively revolutionary process. Or how about this one from, uh, is it Andrea or Andrea? I, I don't know. Uh, Dworkin. Marriage is an institution developed from rape as a practice. Folks, this is, this is what the leading people on the quote-unquote feminism side believe. This is what these people are putting out. This is the kind of absolutely putrid, disgusting filth that these people are putting out. If we could save the fathers, we could save the world. Save the fathers, save the world. Uh, you could probably title Barack Obama's message um, or talk uh, that right there, and it would absolutely fit. Now, I have, there's plenty of more quotes, and you can go look some of this stuff up. God forbid you actually go buy one of their, these people's books and, you know, money goes toward them. Um, but this is, this is the case, folks. This is the case. People are out to destroy fatherhood, out to destroy families, literally out to destroy the nuclear family, saying that this is a horrible thing. Folks, I don't know what went on in these, these women's lives, uh, in either marriages or between them and their father or what went on. Clearly there's probably some pain, some kind of Maybe they had a horrible relationship with their dad. I don't know. And I, I am so, my heart goes out to them on one side, but also recognizes that what they're spitting out is absolute, just chaotic trash. And, you know, again, save the fathers, save the world. Maybe had they had a loving, uh, wonderful example of a father, maybe they wouldn't feel this way. I don't know. I, I just know that in society, I agree once again with Barack Obama in that society's foundations are weakened when we start to destroy the role of fatherhood. When fathers are absent or they're present, but there's no presence, there's no participation. Um, so clearly, right, having men just destroyed, having the male figure just destroyed, having fathers, husbands destroyed. This is going to destroy the bedrock of our civilization. It may take time. It may take decades. It may take a couple of generations, maybe. But it will happen if it continues. It will happen. And what we need is a revolution of men to stand up and say, whoa, 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 whoa. No. I don't think so. I don't think so. No, what we need is good fathers, good husbands. Now, granted, we don't, you know, this this whole, you know, fake notion of the patriarchy. What? What, what does that even mean? I mean, is patriarchy a bad thing? If, if it, it even is a thing, how would you define it? Um, just that word doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing. Um, if you're under a regime of patriarchy that is loving, protecting, nurturing fathers who are out there loving their kids, loving their wives beautifully, as the scriptures talk about, uh, well, then what's wrong with that society? I mean, you can call it a patriarchy, but what's wrong with it? Nothing. Um, so it's the, it's the definition. The terminology is bad. Um, again, save the fathers, save the world. And what I mean by that is not save a bunch of dudes spreading their seed around. I mean real fathers, real dads, the kind of men that Barack Obama is talking about in his speech. Men that love their wives and men that care for their children and, and men that sacrifice for others. Men that are there to protect, to, to train, to nurture. Um, this, is, this is what our society needs, folks. This is what our society needs. Now, when we turn, when we turn to, to Scripture and we start looking at uh, the scriptural uh, view of, of fathers, we, we look at the scriptural mandate for husbands, 
Um, these are things that most people, I think, should get, be able to get behind. Um, I'm going to look at a couple of things here specifically in this in this uh, episode, and then we can get into things you know later on um, in other episodes. But um, you know, Adam dropped the ball. You know, you go to Genesis three nine. The Lord you know comes and says, "Hey, you know, Adam, where are you?" And you know, today's lingo, yo, bro, where you be? Where you at, Adam? Where you at, man? And what was he asking there? You know, it wasn't a question of location, okay, but of position. He wasn't asking for information. (laughs) He was asking for introspection. And, you know, he he, he obviously didn't need GPS to figure out. I mean, there's two people on the whole planet. They're they're all, they're both right there in the Garden of Eden. Um, He's God, right? He knows exactly where Adam is. Um, But this is an opportunity for Adam to recognize you have removed yourself from the covering and position that you were supposed to be in, that that role and authority that you were supposed to be taking. You didn't do it. Um, you need to look inward, Adam, and understand what you've done. See, Adam failed to assert his God-given position. He was the head, the protector, the chief ambassador of God's kingdom in the earth, and he failed at his job. He allowed Satan to come in and to take that position by deceiving his his bride, he that should have never been a thing. He that should have never been a thing. Adam should have ensured and put protections and things in place to protect his wife, to inform his wife. We see that it, it, it's certainly apparent in Scripture that Adam's uh, transferal of information from God to Eve didn't go as well as it should have. And so, you know, God looked to Adam. What's going on? What have you done? Uh, you know, Adam, of course, blamed his wife. The wife, of course, blamed the serpent. But ultimately, it, it rested on Adam's shoulders. And that's what men need to be, is that, that accountability. You know, it, it's not a matter of, oh, yeah, men are better than women. That's not the point. But men have a, an accountability before God that women don't have. Um, which, to me, again, women should... Women should gladly say, hey, <laughs> yeah, there's a problem. Yeah, let him be the accountable culprit. Um, and men should be strong, loving men of God uh, like we are supposed to be. God, Christ, man, woman in 1 Corinthians 11 is exactly how uh, God laid it out. And we should be you know, under that lordship and um, sonship of Jesus Christ and then we're properly aligned. We are trying to live out our days and, and raise our family and, and, and have a marriage that's aligned with God's principles, godly principles found in Scripture. Um, Adam allowed sin to enter the world and surrendered earth's dominion to Satan. That's what he did, right? He was still in the garden, right? He was still there. He was still present, but he was separated from God. He was separated. And, you know, Adam's spiritual separation resulted in that spiritual separation for his family and an actual separation, right? They got booted from the garden. When we go over to uh, to Luke 15, we see three different sort of categories of, of separation. Uh, you know, they got the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. We call him the prodigal son. Um, you know, each of these are some form of separation from God, right? A sheep, you know, may or may not know it's lost, right? Can't really navigate it properly, um, you know, but but the answer is not relativism or pluralism, right? Oh, well, just many, many ways to God. No, the answer is to get back into the fold, right? To get back into the fold, uh, or to get into the fold for the first time. We may not even know what it is to be in the fold. But that said, right, we've got the coin. The coin is right there in the house, but and not even aware that it's lost, probably because, again, it's, well, hey, I'm here in the house, still lost. <laughs> so, again, we can be present, we can be on location, but are we actually, is there presence there, participation? Um, and it, uh, note here, right, it's only when the house got cleaned up that the coin was found. And... Again, I look at this analogy, 
and parable as, you know, the church itself is made up of families. You know, we Just like we did with society, right? Society, we've got the nation, we've got the towns, we've got the, you know, all that stuff, the neighborhoods. It's made up of what? Families. A church is ultimately just, it's made up of families. And a family might be a family of one or two, but it's, it's not just a collective. And so the, the church needs to clean itself up. If we're going to reach the world, I mean, it doesn't do a whole lot of good you know, to point our finger at the world and talk about the divorce rate when it's about the same in the church, right? The church needs to, needs to work on itself, find its way before it can even begin to help the, the darkness in the world. And this is the way with, with us as fathers, right? We, um, we must find our way and navigate for our families, but we can't do that if we're not navigating for ourselves. And you know, back to the speech that Barack Obama gave, you know, we have to give a picture of excellence. And I would, I would definitely heavily highlight the excellence that we find in Christ, a, a strong uh, prayer life. We are in the Word. We know the Word of God. We don't have to guess what God's mind is on a specific topic or principle because we know it because we're in the Bible, in Scripture, studying it, knowing it for ourselves. Um, you know, and then we have the the son, the lost son, right? The lost son left his position um, willingly and walked away, and then came back. And you know, we there is reconciliation. Maybe we've been a, a poor father in the past. Maybe. Uh, you know, we, we, we left, and, and now we're seeing these things and seeing, you know, maybe our child, after five years of us not being present, we're seeing the effects, and we need to get back in our kids' lives. Uh, you know, and, and that this is these are the three different kind of ways that we can be separated. Willingly separated, we walked away, we knew better. Uh, we can be separate, and when I say separated, I don't just mean from the family. I'm talking about from God. Right, because we're talking now in a spiritual context, and and I believe that you can have good fathers by quote you know good quote unquote by worldly standards. You know, someone who does not leave, they are there, they are present, they are, um, they are you know protectors and providers in their home. But there is an element that a man, even a a worldly, will say, or or a a man that goes to church, but he's not actually you know actively engaged in that church. Right, kind of like the coin. They're there, they're present, but they're not actually, I mean, they're not. They're lost right there sitting on a church pew or, or, or a chair. But men who are actively engaged spiritually, they operate on a plane that others cannot. Let's take, um, let's take a, a, the average family, right? We've got a financial plane. We've got a, an emotional plane, right? We've got a physiological or physical plane, and a and a man that does not know God, or that again just goes to church. They're they're basically the same. One goes to church, the other one doesn't. But neither of them are actually strong, you know, prayer warriors. Neither of them are, you know, really studying the Word of God, leading their family in that way. Uh, come to church and watch Dad. That's how you should worship. Not Dad's over on this phone, and and we should be engaged. Um, but right, a, a man that does not know God can. Realize their need to provide financially, their need to you know watch over their family physically, you know as protection, uh, provide you know for their needs, and even um, you know watch even things like diet and exercise and things like that. They can they can know these things and read books and study and all this and, and have those down. And then emotionally, they need to be there for their wife, be there for their children. They can do all these things, but there is a plane of the spiritual that only a man of God can fill. You cannot attack things spiritually by reading a book and making more money. Okay? It cannot be done. And, and that is a plane that men need to strive to be on. Because uh, at the end of the day, we are spiritual beings. And at the end of the day, there's eternity at stake. And not just, uh, not just here in this temporal uh, world. And there are things that will come against a family, or can, certainly can come against a family. It's not emotional. It's not financial. It's not physiological. It is spiritual. And if you are a spiritual wimp, you don't have a prayer life, you, you don't know Jesus, you don't know what to do in this situation, the world is saying this, 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 and this, 
and you don't have a leg to stand on, well, I guess that's the way society is going. You will have many failures that you could have avoided if you had the bedrock, the backbone of a spiritual uh, training, I'll say, right? A walk with God that has given you training in the spiritual. Psalm 128, blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in his ways. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. So it's focusing on you, the individual. What individual? It's talking about a man, a husband, a father. How do I know this? We'll go to verse 3 and we'll see. But it's talking about things start at the individual level, right? Verse 3 then says, Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your sons will be like olive shoots around your table. So now it's expanding to the family, to the wife, to the children. If you get yourself straight, you will be blessed not only in yourself, but in your family. Save the fathers, save the world. Thus is the man blessed who fears the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion all the days of your life. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem. So now we're expanding out even beyond our own family. And may you live to see your children's children peace be upon Israel. So not only individual, not only family, but society, the nation, and future generations, if a man will just get himself under control, in alignment with God, and do what he's supposed to do. A book uh, that I would recommend by Tony Evans called Kingdom Man. Uh, In that book, Tony Evans says this, God's kingdom works bottom up, not top down. Yet most people are more concerned with what the White House is doing than what their own house is doing. Now, in this book, and there's like workbooks and stuff too, you can do like men's groups and stuff around this. But in this book, he talks about what it means to be a man in the kingdom of God, a godly man, a man of God. But he makes this observation using Psalm 128 uh, that, you know, God's kingdom works at the individual level and then upward. You've got the individual, the most critical, the most important component, obviously, because it's the person, right? So a father, a husband, working on himself, right there in the scriptures, in prayer, close to God, accountable, connected to the body of Christ, all of these things, right, will produce a family that is also these things, that is blessed of God, that is protected in all of these areas, right? A kingdom man is going to provide financially. A kingdom man is going to provide emotionally. A kingdom man is going to provide physically. uh, But a kingdom man is also going to provide spiritually. Uh, Malachi 4, 4 through 6. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the decrees and laws I gave him at Horeb for all Israel. See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day of the Lord before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. So, a couple of things here. <clears throat> First, we see if that relationship, right, if, if, if families are not intact, if there's disruption, we can have a cursed land from God. <laughs> Whoa. Second, we see that before the before Jesus right came, where was the first revival? You know, oh, it was Elijah, you know, preparing the way of the Lord for Jesus. Well, the Bible says the first thing he's going to be doing is turning the hearts of fathers to children and children to fathers. He's going to get the family dynamic. He's going to get that straightened out. I believe that if we want revival, right, we use that church word, right, so churchism, revival, right? But we actually do need a revival in our country. We need revival, right? Revive, right? Revive, like to bring back to life. We need that in our country. We need that in our families, in our society, in our churches. Good Lord, we need it in our churches. But where's it going to start? It's going to start in the hearts of the fathers. That's where it's going to start. 
I am so thankful for every woman of God. There are multiple uh, single moms in, in our assembly, and we love them, and we are there for support and help. Uh, I believe firmly, our church believes firmly in the community of the saints, the community and fellowship of the church. And part of that is the pure and undefiled religion that James talks about, right? Remember James? He actually says pure and undefiled religion is to care for widows and orphans and to keep ourselves unspotted from the world. Now, I that is true. That is completely true. But again... Caring for the widows and the orphans is in a state of less than ideal, right? The reason there are orphans is there's something less than ideal there. Either father died tragically or something, or father peaced out, right? Neither one of those is the ideal. The ideal is two-parent household, the nuclear family that, you know, some people apparently want to destroy. Um... But that is the mission, one of the missions of the church, right, is to care for the widows and the orphans. And you can, you can go, you know, check the scriptures on, on that. But that is a huge piece of the kingdom of God. And any church, right, that is worth its salt, or maybe I should say worth being salt, um, that's usable, should not look at single parents, right? Single fathers, too, have those. And uh, should not look at them and, oh, well, I guess you're just out of luck since you didn't do it, quote-unquote, the right way. No, we should offer community, love, fellowship, help, assistance for them to learn, grow, develop, have that other parent even when that parent's not there. The church should be a mother and a father to to those, a husband and a wife to uh, people to to give them that opportunity. But again, again, the ideal is husband and wife with children raising that family. Ezekiel 22, 30 to 31. I looked for a man among them who would build up the wall, stand for stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land. So I would not have to destroy it, but I found none. So I'll pour out my wrath on them and consume them with my fiery anger bringing down on their own heads all they have done, declares the Sovereign Lord. Again, judgment coming because there was no one there to stand in the gap. And what did he look for? I looked for a man. Well, right? I mean, come on. Don't you think during that time, right, this isn't, the, this isn't some novel um, <laughs> uh, about Amazon, Amazonians who have kicked out all men and um, and taken over, and now it's only females and God can't find any men. No, this is not that God can't find people with the X and Y chromosome. He found plenty of males, but he didn't find any men of God. Real men. He probably found a bunch of people that were too busy golfing, Fishing, hunting, video gaming. He found a bunch of people interested in their careers, interesting in chasing ladies, interested in cars, interested in everything else, but the most important thing, being the man of God they're supposed to be. And you see, if we could save the fathers... We could save the world. You find right here in Scripture, God was ready to pour out his wrath, and he looked, can I find someone to stand in the gap? And he didn't find anyone. I pray that is not the case when God looks over our land, but that he can find men of God to stand in the gap. Men of God, like... Noah, Genesis 6, 5 through 8, you know, we have the account of Noah. It says, Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. But isn't it interesting, you don't find where, you know, Ham, Shem, Japheth, you don't, his wife, you, you don't find where it says that any of these people were godly. Now, maybe they were. Um, well, we know at least one of the three boys, right, had some issues, um, as we read later in Scripture. But maybe they weren't, right? 
But because of Noah's faithfulness and righteous standing before God, he and his wife, his three sons, and his daughters-in-law, right, were all saved because he stood in the gap. And I wonder if we could be that for our families. We can be the ones in prayer. We can be the ones standing in the gap before God, righteous, loving, presence. Um, John Ramirez, in his book, Out of the Devil's Cauldron, um, he, this is a, you know, it, it's a it's an w- amazing story. Pain, redemption, he, uh, he gets into the occult, he labels himself kind of a general in the army of Satan, got real deep into this stuff, you know, doing tarot card readings and, and uh, seances and involved with all kinds of demonic stuff. And through the book, he makes it very, very, very clear that much of this stemmed from one thing, his desire for a father's love and acceptance. And his dad was around, right? But he wasn't present. He wasn't, there was no presence, no participation. Um, so again, it's not just dad's alive and breathing somewhere, or he's, you know, back in the back room, you know, working in the workshop or whatever. But, but dad is participating. That is what is needed. And this guy, John, again, John Ramirez says, you know, this whole life of Satanism and all this stuff that he got into probably never would have happened if he would just would have had that father's love, guidance, direction, acceptance. Our world doesn't need a new political structure. It doesn't need a new social policy, a financial breakthrough. It needs men, husbands, fathers who are willing and able to stand in the gap. Save the fathers, save the world. I love you guys. I hope this broadcast has has helped you. Again, contact us, breadbreakers.com. You can email podcast at breadbreakers.com, questions, comments, anything like that. Why don't we close in some prayer? Father, I ask you for your your blessing on this nation, for your help, your mercy, your grace. I, I hope that you can find righteous men that are standing in the gap for their families, for their communities, their churches, for, th- for this nation. This nation is in chaotic darkness, and we need men to stand in the gap, men to take up the hedge, to be a light, to have loving marriages, to be loving husbands, to have loving families, to be loving fathers for their children. Father, I ask you for a revival across this nation. Not some ethereal thing, but rather a real and concrete uprising of men who say, we will be men of God. We will be kingdom men. We will be fathers who are loving, participating, providing, protecting, guiding in all aspects, financially, spiritually, physically, emotionally for our families, our wives, our children. We will stand in the gap. We will stand strong as warriors before you against the onslaught that comes against us in life. We will not grow weary in well-doing, but we will see a harvest in our families, in our communities, in our nation. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you, love you, and we will catch you on the next broadcast.